Hey everyone, Joel here, and I hope you're all doing well. Um, on this next episode, I interviewed a good friend of mine, Dre, uh, Andre, based in Chicago. Uh, this is one of the, not the last, but I think I got a few more left, but one of the episodes I did with my fake closet recording studio hookup. So it sounds cleaner than most. Um, Dre's a good dude. Uh, he's, uh, he works in design. He has worked in consulting in the past. So this, this episode is interesting because it's not just about the work, uh, and the entrepreneurial pursuits and passions, but it's also about happiness. Why are we doing the things that we do? What really drives us? What do we really need to be happy? And it's something that I, I don't think about that often because I used to attribute success to, you know, things that were quantitative, like money, house, stuff you know and then you get older and you get experienced and you realize you may not need as much as you thought you needed to truly be happy and we we touch on that in this episode and really talk about what what's the point of all this what 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 do we really need to go to sleep at night and just feel fulfilled so for those of you out there struggling with just figuring out what that is or you're unhappy right now i think this will be a pretty good episode to listen to because it's 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 got some good points, good readings, and good quotes for you to kind of dig into that and, and just to think on that. What, what do you need? What do you want to truly feel fulfilled, feel happy, feel sane? So I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I enjoyed giving the interview. And again, as always, thank you. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Moonlighters Club. I am your host Joel Edwards. Now that I just said I'm your host Joel Edwards, I realize I don't do that consistently when I start this podcast up. I just ramble when I get things going. Uh, but regardless, Moonlighters Club is back with another episode. I hope you've been enjoying the people that we've been showcasing. Uh, on my end, things are going well. I got a new recording studio. I am in my bedroom closet, and uh, it feels pretty official. I got blankets all around me for the wind resistance, I guess, or whatever. And it's just me hunched over at this table, but it, it, I feel good. I feel confident. So it's all that matters. Um, this episode uh, is a super special one. I met this individual a few years back and it was at a wedding. And I remember us, it was in Mexico. We were just talking about life, work in general, and it was pre-COVID. So we're coming up with these terms that were like crazy, like like foreign to the U.S. or like universal basic income and just like the that rat race and nine to five. And I feel like everything that happened in 2020 was like, yo, that conversation should have happened like on a grand scale like years ago. So I'm happy to do this interview. This individual is really talented. Uh, uh, it's really dope conversations. Uh, I, I think this will be a joy for everyone. Uh, I want everyone to be introduced to Andre. Andre, thank you for doing the show with us. How you doing? What's up, Joel? What's up? Long time, bro. It's been a minute, man. It's been uh, the last time we talked was what last year for your uh, uh, Farron's birthday, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. The, vir- yeah. the virtual, the virtual party on Kumo Space. I think. Vir- yeah, virtual birthday party, which is pretty cool, man. Uh, it's yeah. cool. So, first of all, thank you uh, for doing this. Um, let's just quick background info. Where are you originally from? 
I'm from North Carolina. I hail from small city Jacksonville, North Carolina. For those who um, have been in the military, um, it is a military town near Camp Lejeune. Um, so that's where I'm from. Uh, you know, kind of spent a, a lot of time all over North Carolina, living in Raleigh, Charlotte, Chapel Hill, Greensboro. Um, although I will say that I currently reside in Chicago, which, as you may know, is a city with great food, uh, sports culture and so forth. Um, although I am in Chicago, I still do uh, remain deeply loyal to all things North Carolina, Tar Heels, Panthers, my undergraduate school. I have to give a shout out to the North Carolina A&T Aggies, Aggie Pride. There you go. There you go. Uh, my wife went there as well. That's a common link. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, I hear my yeah. Aggies quite often. <laughs> uh, man, but yeah, how, you, how, how are you getting along in Chicago? Chicago's great. Um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate, man, to sort of live in the city. It's pretty convenient. We've, you know, being from the South, you have to practically drive everywhere. But now that we're in the city, we get to sort of walk everywhere. Um, you know, food culture, um, you know, being able to just like walk down the street, get, 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 some of the get access to some of the best restaurants um, in the city has been really, really good. And, you know, probably to talk about this in a minute, but after years of traveling and consulting, um, I finally had an opportunity to get a local gig and I'm starting to get a little bit connected to the community. So now I'm starting to feel like I actually live in Chicago. So that's been good. Nice, man. Chicago, I, I, I'm not even going to lie. I think it's the best food in the U.S., honestly. Like, because it, it, you can get it off the street, you can go to a five star restaurant. It's like New York, but I, I I do think it's better than New York. And I don't want to insult. I don't want if you're from New York. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, but Chicago food is crazy good. It like, is good. It's so good. Um, yeah, I, I actually, when I was, um, I remember when I was on my way up here, and I was telling somebody I was on the way to Chicago. He happened to be from Chicago. He's like, "Oh man, big beef Portillos." Oh my God. Um, Portillos, yeah. dude. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we live we live only a few blocks away from one. So, um, so yeah, it's nothing good on the stomach, especially during COVID. Yeah, Portillos is crazy good, man. Nice, get in there. Um, so. Let's talk about, you, you said Aggie Pride. So uh, when you, what'd you major in when you were in school? I was, I was, uh, I studied physics. Ah. Um, yeah. So I was one of those under, under uh, freshmen that came in, didn't really know um, what he wanted to do. And I was sort of approached by um, the physics chair at the time. And he just told me about the department and, and he talked a lot about how physics was um, was a discipline where you can just sort of be curious and like learn about the world. And that really intrigued me. So I, I, I signed up. Um, I don't do very much with physics now. I recently tried to break over, open a physics book and, yeah. and, and re, re educate myself. But that was a little painful. Um, but yeah, physics. Physics is my least favorite science because it's the most mathy. It, <laughs> it's cool, man. Like physics is cool. But I'm just like, dude, there's so much, so many equations. Like it's, yeah, that's, it's, it's a lot. That's true. So you graduated with a degree in, in physics? I did. Okay. Then I, then I graduated. So I graduated from T. Then I went on to Chapel Hill uh, for grad school. Um, and then I moved to Atlanta and just started working in tech, uh, specifically in tech consulting, uh, you know, flying all over the U S getting on a plane Monday morning. That was fun. Right. Yeah. Um, coming out of school, um, being sort of broke and then, um, flying all these different places, racking up points, um, saving money on transportation costs, that sort of thing. So that was good. What is that life really like? Because I'm not gonna lie when I, um, I've never had that. And I see the cons of it and the pros of it. Like, I've always wanted to do it weirdly, you know, that travel time. What's that actually like, though, when you do have to, you know, get up Monday, you're on a plane, you're going somewhere, and you're doing that all the time? 
Yeah, you know, um, I I probably did it for entirely too long. I think I was in consulting for about 13 years. Um, but, you know, the first few years is pretty cool. Um, after a while, it does sort of um, drain you a bit. I think, you know, my one of my last engagements that I was on, I was I, I had to fly into a city that didn't have any direct flights um, out of Chicago. So there was like a stop in some random city. And oftentimes we'd have delays. Right. And yeah. that would be that would be painful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think initially it was cool. I, I, I think at one point I actually had, uh, 2 million Marriott points. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ah, so you're doing that. Is that when I'm curious professionally, how that, did that take you to Chicago? Just the, the job? Did, or, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so that did not actually bring me to Chicago. So like, um, Somewhere around 2011, and my wife is probably going to shoot me if I get the year wrong, but um, she, you know, she decided to go to business school in Chicago on the north side of the city, and um, yeah, we we moved up there specifically for that. And after she graduated, we just decided to stay in the city. So, oh, and, okay, got it. So that's why you moved. Were you still doing this work similar to this, traveling, consulting? Is that? Been- yep, still traveling, still traveling, consulting. I, I think I switched consulting firms in the middle of, uh, <laughs> in the middle of um, while she was in school, yeah. and I think I took like a month off, and I for a minute there I got to act like I was in school. I actually went to classes with her, um, and to try to answer some questions from the professor and so forth. So that was a, a fun little, fun little break in between. How, what are those days? What are consulting days like? Like when I hear the word consultant, it's such a buzzword to me. I just think of people in really expensive suits. You go into office, you're like, this is how you get your numbers up, you know? And like, I just don't, <laughs> what is that really like? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think there's definitely um, somewhat of a difference between tech consulting and say strategy and ops. I was really more on the on the tech side, although I kind of kind of dabbled a little bit in management consulting in the pharma space. But um, yeah, I mean, you wake up, he wake up in the morning, um, usually pretty early and drive out to the client site or walk to the client site. Um, you're usually on site at least until, you know, the client decides to leave for the day. I'll say that I was, when I was staffed in um, New York for a while, I had clients that weren't leaving until like 12 o'clock. It, you know, that, that New York work culture is pretty serious. So, you know, we're staying pretty late. Um, and unfortunately, um, for that specific client, we had, um, we had a team located in Asia. So, you know, we had to be up early around five or so. So those days were pretty brutal. Um, but for the most part, on average, I'd say not all all client engagements are like that. You know, usually you kind of leave client site around seven, eight o'clock, um, go out with the team, get, you know, food, potentially drinks, and then head back to the hotel room, maybe do a little bit of work, maybe some personal stuff and, and, and start the day um, next day. Is that lonely? Um, is it lonely? You know, like, I think you really do miss, you know, family and so forth, but you build a certain type of uh, relationship with, you know, your team members that you just don't get like, you know, with your sort of normal um, nine to five local sort of gig. Um, but unfortunately, the, the flip side to that is although you build those really strong relationships, you know, once you stop traveling with that individual, you know, you know, sometimes convenience just kind of puts up a barrier and you sort of lose contact and so forth. So, so yeah. Uh, did, did you ever, I, like, I go through this a lot. Um, did you ever go through any form of imposter syndrome while you're working this, uh, in consulting, in the consulting space? 
a little bit, especially when I was like um, younger in my career. But, you know, as as I've gotten older, I, you know, the one thing I will say that actually works a bit in my favor is um, I'm ultra competitive. Mm. Right. So if there's somebody that kind of like knows something um, that I might not know, I will actually kind of try to spend the time to like kind of get more educated and try to do my best to actually um know a little bit more than that person. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that edginess has definitely um, helped sort of tame the the imposter um, that I think is sort of like in all of us. But, you know, I think there, there are times where you kind of go into a situation, especially in a client sort of situation where, um, you know, clients are expecting you to know X, Y, and Z, um, you know, because they are paying you top dollar. Yeah. Um, but it, it's good to be honest, right. And say, you know, although I might not know the answer right now, we can get back to you with blah, blah, blah. Right. So, so yeah. yeah. Okay. So while this is going on, do you have like passions or hobbies on the side that you consistently do regardless of work? There's certain things you always find time for. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was in consulting, um, it was really hard, right? Because, you know, you're working pretty hard uh, during the week. You're not you're, you're away from home. Um, so during my time in consulting, I think that was part of the reason why I had to leave is because I wasn't able to pursue my passions and interests, you know, outside of work. Um, but now that I am local um, and have had the time to sort of reflect on the things that, you know, I might be interested in, I've, I've gotten into quite a bit. I, uh, I, I, I reflected back to what made me happy when I was earlier. And uh, when I was little, I used to draw these little comics, right? Um, and I thought they were great. And uh, some of it was tracing or whatever, but it was really fun. And I sort of dropped that off when I, um, you know, as I went to high school and obviously I started working and that was sort of um, something I didn't really even think about. But when I left consulting, I picked that back up again. I just started buying all these art supplies. Um, it would be random supplies like, you know, acrylics, oils, um, colored pencils, anything I could get my hands on. I even got like a an airbrush gun with this really massive compressor. Um, so I started experimenting with that. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I found that really brings me a lot of happiness, you know. Mm. Um so, you know, that kind of exp expanded into me. Well, let me see what else I can do with this. And I started putting um, art on shoes. Right. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw any of the Instagram pictures. I can send that send them to you after this. But um, I got a lot of um, a lot of. Uh, positive sort of responses to that and started painting shoes for, um, you know, friends, yeah. uh, families and, and, and families, friends of families and uh, kids. And then I started to like reach out to schools and I started to, um, you know, sign up for, um, you know, this was pre COVID and then COVID hit, but I signed up to kind of create sneakers for, um, elementary school kids for those kids that were actually sort of achieving in school, but that never took off because of COVID. I'm hoping once we get through the pandemic, we can pick that back up. But then, you know, and I started exper experimenting with experimenting with other mediums and I decided to try to put some art on a shirt. Thus threads, threads by Dre was born. Got it. Okay. When you were, yeah, I like to see that you went back to something that you used to do all the time. Um, do you, how are you about your, your hobbies? You, are you, are you pretty public about it? Do you tell everyone about it? Are you, do you keep it private? Not, and maybe not even on purpose. Do you just find people not knowing, Oh man, you draw like, that's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I do actually. I, I, you know, I don't. I, I hadn't really talked about it a lot, and I found myself actually sketching in a in a in a meeting <laughs> one one day, and I was kind of do it. I was kind of doing it without thinking about it. And somebody was like, "Oh wow, that's a really nice drawing." And then we started talking about um, you know art and sort of my newfound passion, and they were like, "Oh, I was into that too," and that sort of opened some doors in terms of having conversations with people about art and um, you know what they find to be beautiful in terms of art and that sort of thing but i am very public about it um, okay. I, I try to post um you know some of my art on instagram um i haven't posted all of it yet because some of it too it's like i have this new form of art that i'm actually experimenting with it's really more of a graffiti style um but um you know once i'm once i'm ready i i feel like i'm gonna really sort of get it out there my hope is that you know i can actually kind of do graffiti on walls we'll see um hopefully i don't get in trouble but <laughs> that's the hope Nice. So let's talk about starting threads by Dre. So like, uh, I, th- cause I think what gets lost when I have these conversations is like, whenever I interview someone, we're always at, we're already at the middle point. Like you're, it's existing or we're already doing this, but you had done some art on shoes. What, what do you do first to get threads by Dre off the ground? Do you sit down to come up with a bunch of designs first? Do you do the legal, not even legal, so the, you know, the set the website up, things of that nature. How do you even get it out of your mind? into to making it a tangible thing yeah you know like um, when i was transitioning from say shoes into shirts um i realized that there you know as i started sharing some of the shirt ideas that i actually had i got a lot of um you know positive feedback some constructive um but you know i took all that feedback and just started creating more and more designs um i had a a a, a mental backlog of art ideas um um in the form of essentially mental sticky notes. And I just started putting them all out on, you know, paper, or I started drawing them digitally. And before I knew it, I had about, um, 35 designs in a month. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I know it was, it was pretty, it happened pretty quickly. And then it's like, okay, I have 35 designs. Do I actually try to sell them on say like Etsy for other people to download and do whatever they want with? Um, and, and, and then I also explored the idea of actually kind of starting up an e-commerce site. I have tech skills, obviously. So I quickly set up a, a you know, a WordPress site um, and started, you know, loading all these um, images on it and try to figure out all the backend integration. But, um, you know, it went from, you know, idea to creating 30, desi- 30 to 40 designs um, to putting on an e-commerce store and then, you know, trying to figure out all the sort of logistical, legal and accounting related items, right? Getting a tax ID and all that. And before I knew it, like in a span of two months, I was able to get threats by Dreo. Wow. How, uh, this is what I like. I like when you take those awesome, beautiful school skills for yourself. Like, I feel like we're all, we just learn, learn, learn. And then we get to companies, we're like, oh, I remember that as a use it. But when you're like, when I do stuff in the Malaria's Club, I'm like, wait, that's what Excel can be used for. <laughs> like, whenever I can use software. I'm like, yeah, there's a point to this. That's cool. Yeah. Um, how long does it take? Now, see, this is what I find interesting is I'm like, I do creative adjacent stuff, but I feel mm-hmm. like any kind of, anything that's artistic would take me forever. Um, just because, uh, it, it's one thing when you're making something for yourself in a perfectionist sense. That's one thing, but there's another thing where it's also going to be for someone else to enjoy. So, mm-hmm. like, how did like what, what describe that process of okay? I had these mental sticky notes. Now I'm going to make a shirt. Like, how are you okay? How do you get to the point where you can be okay with that design? And who's it really? How long does that usually take? And then who's it? Who's it for? I ask musicians this often. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, how long and then who is it for? Is it for me because I'm buying it? Or is it for you to be able to step back and go, no, I love this. I can sell this. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. So the first question, how long does it take? Um, it usually takes. So if I have, if I already have like the idea um, in my mind and I already have, I usually have like this mental sort of like picture of what the actual design will actually look like. Um, if I already have that, then literally it only takes me like, you know, a couple of hours to actually kind of get it on into a digital format that I can then sort of translate onto, um, you know, uh, article of clothing with that. So long sleeve shirt, hoodie or whatever. Um, in terms, and, and so when I actually do the art, I think something I didn't really get a chance to really talk about was uh, my core values. And it took me a whole sort of like, uh, it took me a while to kind of figure out what was most important to me. But the three values are, um, you know, family, right? Um, well, should I say more broadly, community, mm-hmm. um, experience, right? And when I say experience, it's like art, beauty, you know, all that, and then education, right? So as I started to think about like art, um, I wanted to make sure that I was at least combining a couple of elements of my core values into it. So, um, you know, education wise, it was really important, I felt, uh, for me to put, um, you know, pieces of art together that celebrate some element of black culture from, say, the past or, you know, you know, the the, the present, um, you know, so for example, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Harlem Hellfighters, for example, um, but few people know about them. But, you know, what I understand of them is that they were a New York based infantry um, unit that spent more time in combat in World War One than than any other American unit. I really do view them to be true heroes and little and something else a lot of people may not know is that they first introduced uh, the, the the French to jazz. Right. So when you used to kind of go into war, um, you used to have like that band playing behind you and they they actually played jazz. It was something that the French hadn't heard at the time um but but now if you go to paris right it's sort of like you know ingrained in the culture right so i wanted to kind of put together art and mix in a little bit of you know not you know the experience side and mix a little bit of education um into the art so that as people put on the shirts they could sort of have something to speak to yeah man and that, that's I, I love the your core principles your core values it yeah i i you know, I think that's what a lot of people lack when it comes to currency and capitalism. It's like, what are we, why are we even here? What won't we do? What will we do? What's the point of it? When you're just like, nah, I'm just trying to make money, then your product can kind of really just go anywhere. Like, yeah. like, and not even from a uh, moral standpoint, literally, if you have a product and you get customers who are just like, nah, make it do this, make it do that. And you're like, all right, whatever. Then you'll find yourself bidding backwards just to make sales instead of saying, no, this is who we are. This is what we do. So I can appreciate yeah. that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then just one, one other note about this whole core value thing. It, it took me a while to realize that um, I needed to actually spend time like understanding what those values were. Right. So, you know, when you're working for a company, companies always have like these values like, you know, stewardship and honesty and so forth. And I, I dismissed it until I hired a life coach and she really sort of like had me kind of go through this exercise of identifying these core values. She gave me a list of 200 and said, have at it. And it took me a while to sort of like whittle it down to those three things. But then as I figured out what those values were, and I started reflecting back on where I was unhappy right? And consulting, you think about those values, right? Community, you're always traveling. So you don't really have true sense of community. Um, you know, education, yeah, you're sort of learning. 
Um, you know, naturally it's part of the job because you have to deliver, right? Um, but I wasn't really sort of learning the things I really, really was passionate about. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, the, I, I think it's really important to spend time understanding like what your values are um, and sort of aligning that to life um, because otherwise, you know, you could end up just staying unhappy. Yeah, I, I uh, and I like the way you pointed out life coach. I, I got a career coach for the first time uh, with my uh, my wife's, you know my wife too. She'd be very persistent and insistent. <laughs> so we, uh, she, she, she's like, look, we gotta figure this out because I kept just going from job to job and just having someone give input. And it's, I think it's something that could be beneficial because especially like I'm a, like my dad's from Alabama. I'm typical, I can be, I'm turning into old, stubborn, angry black dude where you mm. feel like help, external help is like a, like getting it as a form of weakness or you can just figure everything out your, or your, yourself. It's the worst way to go about things. The best thing you could do is say, Hey, what do you, what, what does this look like from your eyes? Am I doing this right? What is your experience? Is this okay? It, it makes everything so much easier. I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's something else about like being vulnerable too. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I was, I was always of you know, the opinion that, and maybe this was inherent in, you know, I don't know, family. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it was not really natural for me to be vulnerable with others. But the minute I started being vulnerable, people, other people were being vulnerable with me and they were sort of, you know, sharing things with me that helped me um, sort of progress and think back to the things that really made me unhappy or even hearing what makes them unhappy made me also realize it was really important for me to think about what what was it that ultimately was going to make me happy? So that, that led to me getting that life coach and going through all those exercises that ended up being like pivotal for me. Nice. Shout out to life coaches. Yeah. Um, so now that you got the shop up and everything's going, you're local. How are things going now? Now you have the time to do this hobby. How, how, how is time being allocated? Are you okay there? Do you feel like you're in a really good spot between work and uh, threads by Dre? Yeah, I think we are in a good spot. Um, you know, we have two elements to the business. Um, one is, you know, the direct to consumer sales, right? Just you can go on Threads by Dre today and just like look at our inventory of shirts and apparel and, you know, purchase something. But the other side of our business that has sort of really blossomed is our um, business to business sort of line of work. So we work directly with local businesses and we've had an opportunity to get connected to the community even more. But working with local businesses, to um, identify, um, you know, what they need, um, you know, translating their brand even to art, right? And I think that side of it has sort, sort of helped us differentiate ourselves from some of our competitors, right? It's one thing to put a logo onto a shirt, but it's another to take a brand or an idea and translate that into some art um, and put it onto a shirt and, you know, have have some apparel for, you know, your employees and or customers to want to purchase and wear on a day to day basis. So it's been it's been great. Like, um, you know, uh, in terms of um, growth, I think, um, you know, we will continue to um you know, established businesses, you know, the business relationships. And, you know, we've had a lot of positive um, momentum. And, you know, once you do good work for one company, they tend to refer you to others. So we've been getting a lot of good business that way. Um, another way that we have actually been expanding to or looking to expand is to kind of go down that licensing route. Um, there's it's a multi step process that's potentially involved there. Um, but that's potentially, you know, another route for us to grow. But right now, given where we are, extremely happy with 
where we are right now and, um, you know, what potentially is on the horizon for us. See, this is the type of talk I like. This is the, the, this sounds like such good progress, man. It just this is so so clean. I love it. Man. Uh, so, is it just is it? Uh, I heard you say we. Are you working with others on this? Yeah, my CFO is my wife. Nice. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yep. So. So, you know, I'm the technician, you know, I kind of do the art and, um, you know, all the technology and so forth. And she basically manages the numbers. Um, you know, she puts together quotes. Um, she's thinking about like, you know, profit and all that. So, um, we're, we're, we're a great tag team. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have her in case she's listening. That's awesome. You, you, you have to, you have to be, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, so and, and, and it's interesting because you you do the creative side you, with your your professional experience. You've, you've traveled, you've talked to people, you've had conversations. So I, I assume sales are just talking, having conversations with companies, brands. Yep, should be pretty yep. easy. Is there anything that you don't feel comfortable doing in terms of with the business? Um, I haven't come across a situation that. Um you know, has, has made things questionable, right? All the businesses I've worked with, you know, they, they've been really, you know, solid, you know, businesses that provide a lot of value. There's nothing like, you know, embarrassing about the company per se. Yeah. Um, so we've been fortunate from that perspective. We've, you know, worked with coffee shops and, um, you know, podcasters and, um, you know, beauty salons and the like. Um, so, you know, some pretty good businesses. I, yeah, I think I would just be I would be hesitant to take on a business that might be doing something questionable, but yeah, I, we haven't had to deal with anything questionable to date. Nice. Uh, question. Yeah. Now that you can work on this while working, does it make work better? You know what I mean? I felt like I was, the reason why I'd be so sad at work sometimes was that I wasn't doing anything else. And the days where I got one or two things accomplished for this podcast or when I was building my app, my app, I could go to work and just feel like a million bucks, you know? Yeah. Do being able to healthily do this, right? Do threads by Dre, reach out to people and then still go to work. Does that make life a little better at work? No, totally. Nice. Totally. I mean, I feel like I'm living my values. Um, I, I feel like so much more engaged at work. Um, you know, as soon as work is up, um, you know, I get to focus on all these other things. And it was really important for me to find a job that offers work-life balance. Yeah. Um, you know, um, outside of enjoying the work that I do, um, that work-life balance has been really sort of critical for me to like take these classes at these comedy venues or these art schools. Right. And so when I, you know, go through these classes and I'm creating, um, it definitely does make me feel um, more engaged at work for sure. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's something to be said for companies to invest in that because, like, you're—I've worked at majority startups, and then you get to the startup, your life is that, and it's like you feel weird telling people that you have other serious interests. But I, yeah. I think it's healthier to have something yeah. that you're leaving to um, someone I just interviewed, uh, Jake Roundy. Shout out to Jake. Said, "Why can't work just be work? You know, why can't I go here, do what I do?" handle my business and go home and happily do the thing that I'm really passionate about or my hobby or whatever it is. And I thought that was a great point that he had made. I, I liked it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So how do you approach this? Is it, uh, like I'm like, I'm very bad at goals. If someone were to ask me what my goal is, I'd be like, all right, I'll do this podcast full time. I don't really have a number. I don't, you know, I just, 
I, I don't really make it concrete as much as I should. Do you have milestones in mind or a major goal in mind when it comes to Threads by Dre? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a very basic one and it's to to continue to be happy in what I'm doing. I think the minute that like I find myself being unhappy because, you know, I'm just, you know, taking on jobs that, you know, aren't really fulfilling or whatever, I think it's probably time to look for an opportunity to pivot per se. But um, as, as, as basic as it might sound for me, like, you know, Threads by Dre is a, um, it's not a passion project, right? Because, you know, I have customers and they have, um, you know, they have uh, specific needs that I need to sort of meet, you know, I have obligations I have to meet, but it's still largely driven by passion. And the minute that that leaves, I think it's time to move on. Yeah, I respect it. Um, I like that. That's a simple, that's a simple success, uh, milestone for success. Just be happy. Like it's, yeah. We, and we don't talk about it enough. You know, we associate money with happiness. Like the more money I made, it's not, it don't work like that. I thought it did, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> but like it doesn't, it does not. There's still stress. It's just different. Um, but no, I like that. Um, so do you have uh, um, any small business or entrepreneur or other artists that you look up to or that inspire you? Oh man, there's just so many, you know, in terms of entrepreneur, um, <laughs> Bill Gates is probably by far my favorite entrepreneur, right? I mean, you know, he's built up one of the most successful technology companies, but, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast, but look up Bill Gates poop water. He's doing some amazing work, y'all. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, he set up, he set up, uh, um, this, 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 um, facility, I think it was in Dakar, um, where they basically took all this wastewater. They had a really big challenge with waste. Um, they he built this machine that essentially took all this waste and converted to drinkable water. Like literally in the video, it shows him like going up to the, to the water fountain or whatever and pouring himself a, a drink. And, you know, even the stuff that he's doing, um, you know, in terms of healthcare, right. Cause I'm, I'm in healthcare, um, professionally and like a lot of the work that he's doing, um, in the healthcare space is absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, he actually came up with some sort of model. I was listening to this on a podcast. So excuse me if I'm getting this, um, only partially correct, but my understanding is he, um, you know, basically set aside all this money through his foundation to kind of help offset some of the costs related to vaccines so that we could, you know, evenly sort of distribute, distribute vaccines to not just the U S but, you know, some of the poor countries in the world. So, um, he's really doing big things. Um, in terms of small business, there are some small businesses that, um, you know, some entrepreneurs that I just, you know, personally know that either are clients of mine or, you know, just, uh, people that I might watch, um, on, on, um, YouTube or whatever. Um, but you know, Staples Intense is a, um, it's a camping podcast. They're a black couple. They're based out of Atlanta and they go on these sort of amazing trips and, um, they're both entrepreneurs and it's been sort of amazing to see them grow that podcast from like a couple of followers to quite a few. Um, so entrepreneur wise, they're, they're definitely on the grind. Um, it's pretty, you know, having seen them go from, you know, the day to day grind to kind of doing this most of the time, it's been a joy to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many like small businesses that I would like to shout out. Um, 
can I shout out one more? Yeah, I know the question was, yeah. Yeah, y'all. yeah, yeah. There's there's one <laughs> other business. There's a there's another business in Chicago I definitely want to shout out. It's Tea, Teapot Brew Bakery. They are a small coffee shop. They're family owned, black owned uh, coffee shop in South Loop. If you're in Chicago, give a shout out to you know the crew. Um, they make some amazing bakery treats. They have this mixed berry cake. Um, we go in on the weekends and always pick up a treat or whatever. But they've been super supportive of our business. They've actually sort of like have helped us hand out flyers, um, you know, that sort of thing. They're very entrepreneurial, but they're very, very supportive of, you know, entrepreneurs in the area. So I definitely felt like really compelled to shout them out as well. Nice. That's awesome, man. People helping people. I love that, man. That, that, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I, Bill Gates is one of my uh, inspirations too. Like I was, I, I, I just, you know, grew, I'm, I'm you know, 37. So I remember Microsoft in the early days. And I, I think it's funny that people are always thinking Bill Gates is like the whole conspiracy theory he's out to get us. I'm like, this dude made so much money. He has nothing else to do. Like he literally, <laughs> it's, he did it all. <laughs> like 95, right. he's just sitting right. at home. He's got nothing else going on. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's cool. Um, one thing I like to ask you, especially since it sounds like you're just in a great place, um, which I, I think a lot of people struggle with, even if their business is doing well, is it's just mentally where they're at. What advice could you give someone who is struggling at work, looking for something else, or uh, just not in a good place? What advice could you give someone in that situation? <laughs> two, there's two things I would recommend. One is, I hate to say it, but go th- pull down 200 core values and spend the time to understand like what's ultimately most important to you. Like, what do you value? Because your values should drive like you know the decisions that you make in life and so forth, right? Um, but the second um, exercise I do like to like um, take people through sometimes is a review of their personal engagement list. And that personal engagement list consists of about six different factors, right? And those factors are um, work-life balance, uh, one, work, work, the work that you do on a day-to-day basis, three, people, uh, four, um, you know, how much you get paid, your benefits, uh, five, the company that you work, uh, that you work with. And then six, I think opportunity, right? Opportunity to learn and grow and so forth. And what I always like to do is try to take people through an exercise of ranking all those things, right? Like what's most important to you? Um, you know, you know, kids that come out of, you know, college or whatever, they might say, well, you know, opportunity is most important because I want to kind of, you know, advance, learn, grow, get promoted, that sort of thing. But then later in life, they might have kids and say, oh, well, work-life balance is more important, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then I also like to say then, well, now that you have like what's most important to you, like how satisfied are you? Like on a scale of like one to whatever, four um, for each of those. And, you know, the things that are at the top of your list in terms of priority if you have like significant gaps um let's say that you know i don't know you value how much you get paid but you don't get paid that much um or you know you're not getting the opportunities at work first question that you should you know you're obviously going to be considered a flight risk as a manager so you know um or for your supervisor and so one maybe it's just a conversation right i think sometimes people are just not so quick to have that conversation because sometimes it can be a hard conversation and if you sort of run from it sometimes you'll just find yourself like in that same situation in the future whereas you could um, potentially just have a conversation who knows you know maybe there's something they can do to accommodate um right so you know i think just going through some of those exercises, understanding one what's most important to you um, along those two dimensions um, might actually kind of shed some light on, you know, things that you need to be focused on to help sort of develop, um, 
you know, yourself, um, cause it's not always about like a, a job change. It could just be, um, something else like finding a passion outside of work. But in order to do that, you need to work life balance. Um, I can keep going on and on about that, but yeah, I, <laughs> the, 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 I love yeah. that. I love it. Yeah. No, go, I, I cut you off. If you, you were going to say something else. No, that's it, man. Oh, I, 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 I think a lot of us forgot why we do what we do. Uh, why we wake up in the morning, why we, uh, why we're going to work, you know, it, there's more and you find out there's more to life than money. <laughs> like it, there really, you really got to feel a certain way about this to, to, to get going. So I, I, I love that at a, at a core principle, man, why, the why it really is the why, you know, it's easy to have a passion project, um, cause to know why you're passionate about it. Right. But you may find yourself doing a bunch of things or, or, or making a bunch of decisions that are just all for the wrong reasons, which could leave you in a terrible place. So I love that advice. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, there's this, this graphic that I saw recently. I can't remember where I saw it. It must have been on LinkedIn, but it was a very basic diagram. And the first part, like on the upper half, they had this circle and the circle was split in half. On the left-hand side, it was something like job title. And on the right, it was like money. Um, and then the bottom circle had that um, circle split into multiple pieces, right? Jo- you know, um, you know what you do, your job title, how much you get paid, and all these other things. Like, are you healthy, <laughs> right? Because yeah. all that stuff doesn't mean anything if you're not healthy. Are you happy doing what you do, right? So, you know, it's 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 more than just um, you know job title and and money. And I think when you come out of school, sometimes it's pretty natural to sort of think along those lines, but. Um, yeah, I would encourage people to sort of look at it 360, look at all those different dimensions, um, cause it's more than just job title and, and how much you get paid. Nice. I appreciate the insight there. Uh, at this point, I would like you to at freely advertise, uh, your, your business, uh, anything you have coming up, uh, anything you want to shout out now where people can find you. I just want to make sure we get all of that on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so you can find us uh, at threadsbydre.com. Uh, um, if you have questions, if you want to contact us directly, you can email us at uh, manager at threadsbydre.com. Um, you know, our plan uh, right now is to release a new line of um, shirts once every year. So we're probably going to release something in the in the fall. Um, and if you're a small business and you need um, you know, some help with um, apparel, you have questions, you you want to get, you know, your logo on a shirt or you want to translate your your brand into some art and want to eventually get it onto a shirt. Um, definitely feel free to reach out to us. We also, we not only kind of help with kind of doing that translation of brand to, to um, apparel, but, you know, we do offer some drop shipping services as well. So you don't necessarily have to be uh, based out of Chicago. So um, definitely feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Sounds awesome. I, I everyone, I got a shirt, monetized man. I wore it twice. Nothing but compliments. I, it's, I don't even want to get it dirty. It's still, as soon as the summertime comes, it's, it's going back on. <laughs> I love that shirt. Awesome. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your, we appreciate the support, bro. Of course, man. Since we, man, we, I was already on it and there's a couple I'm already looking at that I grab. It's summertime. So I, I, I love the designs and I love the themes behind them, man. It's, it's just cool. So cool to see it. Yeah. Um, so cool. Uh, so everyone will make sure we get that information. Uh, I'll make sure to jot it down in the episode notes and, uh, the Moonlighters Club 
will be going through every episode we have and putting all of our guest information on our website. So it's that much easier for you to find them after you hear the episode or before so you can reach out and support businesses. Uh, please support Threads by Dre. Awesome designs, man. Awesome mission. Um, it stuff's really, really cool. Uh, if you're listening, please review. Uh, please rate and review our episodes. That just helps us. Um, it helps us get found and also tell a friend and not just to listen to our podcast. If you know anyone else who's out there who is moonlighting, um, if you're at work and you have a hobby or you have a passion that you can't stop thinking about or you're living that life or you lived that life, we'd love to talk to you. It's uh, I think it's good experience. I think everyone has something unique to bring to the table. And I just love these stories. So, Dre, thanks again. Uh I see nothing but good things. I got to come get you get message you guys in Chicago, man. We're getting closer to being out forever. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, we look. Yeah, dude, as soon as as soon as we get through this thing. Yeah, we're hugging everybody. Yeah. So be, be forewarned. But yeah, we're, we're totally looking forward to hanging out with you again. There's a restaurant I want to go to in Chicago called Frontier where they. Oh, yes. Deep fry gator. And I'm like, yo, I'm going. I don't know how. It's just going to happen. I will take you there. I will take you there. There's so many, there's so many other restaurants too. I mean, Frontier, I believe, well, I'm not going to say it on this. It's a, it's a good restaurant. Um, we've eaten there a couple of times, but there's so many restaurants in Chicago. We look forward to taking you to. Oh, we're doing this. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for your time and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>